so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Parenting can be challenging, emotional, and sometimes even devastating. Nancy Guthrie knows this all too well, having lost two of her children after only six months due to a rare genetic disorder. Let's listen as she tells her story and shares how parents can have hope and peace, even in the midst of pain, loss, and suffering. We pray this message equips you with a more complete understanding of Christ-centered parenting. One of the Bible's most significant understatements And it's found right near the beginning of the Bible when God said to the very first mom, in pain, you shall bring forth children. Surely no one who has ever been a parent would argue with, in pain, you shall bring forth children. And of course, this is not merely about the physical pain of labor and delivery. I mean, at that point, the pain is really just getting started. I was talking about the pain of broken bones and broken hearts and broken dreams. It's the pain of arguments. It's the pain of addictions. It's the pain of birthing a child into and then raising a child in a world that has been corrupted to the core by sin. There is simply no epidural that is powerful enough to overcome the pain that is sometimes involved in parenting. Fortunately, however, this first word about parenting in the Bible was not the last word. In fact, something very significant happened right there in the garden, because in the midst of this devastating judgment, Adam and Eve heard an announcement of hope. It's right there in Genesis 3.15, when God promised that one day, one of Adam and Eve's descendants would crush the head of the evil one who had brought so much pain into the world. And evidently, Adam and Eve believed it. Adam named his wife Eve, which means mother of all the living demonstrating that they put all of their hope in the gospel of grace that is centered in Jesus Christ. And ever since then, parents have been putting and finding their hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially in the hard seasons of parenting. I have to admit, however, that I have not always been one of those parents. In fact, I've spent a lot of my parenting years with a profound misunderstanding of what it means to take hold of the gospel as a parent. Because you see, I have operated quite often 
as if my child is more in need of the gospel than I am. And as if my child is more in need of spiritual growth than I am. And I'm beginning to see that my heavenly father not only has plans to use the hard seasons in parenting to sanctify my child, he intends to use them to conform me more fully to the image of Christ. So I want to take my few four minutes to mention four ways that I believe God uses the hard seasons of parenting in our lives to make us more fully dependent on him, to conform us more fully to the image of Christ. So first, parenting in the hard seasons trains us to trust God in new ways. Now, many of us, at one point in our lives, we turned toward God and we told him, essentially, I want to trust you with my life. I am giving my whole life to you. I want to be yours forever. I am trusting you to take me to yourself in the life that is beyond this life. And when we told God we wanted to trust him with our lives, we meant it. What we didn't expect, perhaps is that the Christian life would be made up of seemingly unending opportunities to trust him in newer and deeper ways. While we may have trusted him with our eternal salvation, don't we often find it so very hard to trust him with the temporal situations that come up, especially with our kids? I mean, yes, In the big picture, we do believe that God is causing all things to work together for our good. But it can be so hard to trust that God is causing all things, especially the hard and difficult things, to work together for the good in the lives of our children and our grandchildren. Our natural instinct is that we want to protect our children from these things, not trust God with these things. And it's the scope that Paul uses that can be so hard to swallow this all things. Does that not present a huge challenge to us? We want to say, really, Lord, all things? Can I really expect that you could cause things like sexual promiscuity or sexual abuse or divorce or depression to work together for the good of my son or daughter? Can I really trust you with this diagnosis? Can I really trust you with my child's choice of friends? I've got to say that nothing has put my claims of trusting God to the test quite like parenting has. My husband, David, and I have had two children who were born with a rare metabolic disorder who each lived only six months, a daughter named Hope and a son named Gabriel. And in those seasons of walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we were challenged to trust God with the quality of their lives and the suffering of their lives and the brevity of their lives. But can I be honest and tell you that as hard as it was for me to trust God with the deaths of two of my children, 
I have found it harder at times to trust God with the life of my living child. You see, Hope and Gabriel are safe. Nothing can ever hurt them or harm them. Christ has taken them to himself. You see, it's trusting God with my living child that I have found so very hard. And I've had to face the fact that the grip that I have sometimes allowed anxiety to have on my heart as a parent is not glorifying to God. My life is meant to be all about glorifying him and enjoying him forever. And he is glorified. And by that, I mean made to look to the world as beautiful and sufficient and sovereign and good as he truly is by my trust in him. Not necessarily my trust that he will fix whatever it is, but just by my trust in him, my trust in his plan and my trust in his timing, and my trust in his ways, no matter what the outcome is. What does trusting God really look like? Does it mean that we never feel any anxiety? I don't think so. To genuinely trust God doesn't mean that we never agonize over the issues at hand or the unknowns about the future. It means that when those things arise in us, that we bring them to him. When we find ourselves awake in the middle of the night, beginning to rehearse all of our concerns, imagining all of the worst possible outcomes, am I the only one? I hope not. We make the conscious choice to turn our worries into prayers. You see, active trust in God, I think, means that we memorize scripture during the day so that we can meditate on it and saturate ourselves in it during the wakeful hours of the night when the enemy of our souls launches his attack. So first off, parenting in the hard season trains us to trust God in new ways. I think it actually challenges us to live out the trust that we've given lip service to. Secondly, parenting in the hard seasons turns our focus toward what really matters. Parenting in the hard seasons keeps us, challenges us to keep the main thing, the main thing. And my friends, the main thing is Christ. A string of bad grades a surprise tattoo, an undesirable date. Those things don't throw us off kilter because we know the main thing is whether or not our child is in Christ. When our child moves in with someone instead of getting married or when our child gets divorced or gets arrested or gets fired, we're able to keep the central issue at the center of our responses and at the center of our prayers, which is whether or not our child is spiritually dead or spiritually alive in Christ. What matters most is our child's connectedness to Christ. Everything flows out of that. Everything else is built on that. What's hard, though, as we keep the main thing, the main thing, is to wait. To wait for God to do what only he can do. 
And that's when we discover the third way, I think, that God uses the pain we experience in parenting. Because parenting in the hard seasons makes us desperate for God to do what only he can do. And you see, being desperate for God is actually a very good thing. Well, we can teach our children the scriptures. We can't give them a heart that wants to obey them. While we can confront sinful patterns that need to change, none of us can generate the spiritual life in our children that will lead to lasting change. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only he can make blind eyes see. Only he can make deaf ears hear. Only the Holy Spirit can instill a desire for the things of God in the hearts of our children. So in the hard seasons of waiting for our child to take hold of Christ or watching as our child walks away, turns away from Christ, or in the hard seasons of waiting for our children to mature in Christ, we become desperate for God to do what only he can do. Now, our natural tendency is to put our faith in our ability to push, to convince, perhaps put our faith in the power of our personal example, in our manipulation tactics. Maybe we're going to get the right person to talk to our child. And instead, the gospel keeps calling us to trust God to call, to trust God to convict to regenerate, to save, to sanctify our children. These things simply aren't up to us. They are not within our power. Our desperation for God leads us to the fourth way. I think God uses the hard seasons of parenting in our lives, which is this. Parenting in the hard seasons teaches us persistence in prayer. As parents, we love to fix things, don't we? We see a problem in our child's life, and we dig into our parenting toolkit and start fishing around for some kind of fresh parenting strategy, some good advice to offer, maybe a little behind-the-scenes intervention, a new set of rules to enforce, Whatever we can find in there that we think will do the job. Of course, there's only one thing wrong with these tools. It's that our quick reliance on these methods effectively takes the needs of our children into our, our hands rather than entrusting our children into God's hands. Throughout the scriptures, we are repeatedly encouraged to depend on God through prayer. Never stop praying, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians. Keep on praying, he writes in Romans. Devote yourselves to prayer, he says to the Colossians. Pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion to the Ephesians. And according to Jesus, we should always pray and never give up. Our tendency is to pray about something two or three times and then give up, convinced that we're going to have to make something happen ourselves. I'm not the only one on that either, right? 
But God wants to use the hard seasons of parenting as an invitation for us to talk to him daily about what matters most. You see, he wants to get us praying, not only about the issues on the surface that may be of concern to us in the moment, but about the things at the foundation of a godly life. So my friend, don't give up praying that your child will truly know Christ in a genuine and life-altering way. Don't give up praying that your child will open up God's word and read it on his own. Don't give up praying that God will give your child friends who will be companions in the pursuit of godliness. Don't give up praying that God will give your child the grace for singleness or for marriage. Don't give up praying that God will convict your child of sin and provide the power to forsake sin. Give up fixing, but never stop praying. Give up worrying, but never stop praying. Give up despairing, but never stop praying. Keep praying until the day comes when he who began a good work in your child has been faithful to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. On that day, the pain in parenting will be gone for good. He will wipe away all of our tears. And until then, keep asking him for the faith you need to trust him. Keep asking him to help you focus on what really matters. Continue being desperate to see God work in your child's life and in your life too. Be persistent in prayer, expectant in prayer, not seeking merely to pray away the hard seasons, but inviting God to work in your child, and in you, uniquely in the hard seasons of parenting. Thank you for tuning in to the ERLC podcast. Be sure to visit us online at erlc.com or subscribe through iTunes or Google Play and leave us a review if you're enjoying the show. Join us next time as we hear Jen Wilkin discuss raising children to stand out rather than fit in.